Welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees, as always, and I'm joined by Christopher Bratt. Hi. Hello. And Tamar Hussain. Uh, hello, count how many times I say like and then let me know okay. on Twitter. Is that, is that your thing? That's my thing right now. Someone told me you say like a lot and it's been annoying the hell out of me. You don't want to find out. That's not that bad. I think if in the online stuff, I think uh, saying like and and is not as bad as saying um and uh. Yeah. I but the thing is like more acceptable. There you go. See, I did it there unintentionally. Oh God, no. I hate no. it. I probably don't as well so much. But unfortunately, what people don't realise unless they've actually got into the process of trying to do podcasts is that trying to train yourself out of those little habits um, it takes years. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying that now because yeah. I had to edit a podcast. I think that's actually up. the only way you stop doing it is when you get frustrated having to edit your own voice. That is, that is when and, you realize. Yeah, and when you're editing three-hour-long podcasts and you can hear yourself <laughs> saying like absolutely about a billion times. I get frustrated when I see people on the internet saying, "Oh, this guy's really annoying on my videos." It's like I know that <laughs> I'm the guy that's going to edit myself for hours. Like I'm really annoying. I'm not I know that. Anyway. Uh, what have you guys been playing lately? I've been playing a cool video game, Cities Skylines, which is not a good name for a game. Cities Skylines. Cities, plural, Skylines, plural. Um, it's the new king of city building Is this simulation. the one that ba- I get the impression that basically just snuck in and captured people's hearts purely on the basis that it didn't manage to fuck everything up as much as... That's exactly what it did. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the guys that made it to finish it I can't remember their name. Paradox. Is it uh, Paradox? They're the publisher, but I, publisher. I've forgotten the name. That's terrible. But um, they have made City Games before now. It isn't a complete reaction to uh, SimCity. However, yes, the reason people are so happy with it is because there are three things it doesn't do. It doesn't have always online DRM. Which SimCity doesn't know, actually, I don't think. No. But still. Um, it's Unless d- you make cities that are big. Yes, it actually quite expensive. And and this is the best bit. The, there is a limitation on how, how big those um, that your kind of play area can be. Uh-huh. But there's already a mod out there that allows you to expand that. And that's the third point. It has modding capabilities. And there is already a very cool community forming around it. And, like... It's a it's a good city building game, but those three things are actually probably the three things it it didn't do are actually like the the most important parts. It reminds me of when PlayStation um, seemed to have an amazing kind of PR field day with the oh. fact that they weren't Xbox for yeah, a while. I remember that. And yeah. Xbox going, we're doing all of these new things, and then and we're, PlayStation just we're not doing going, any of them. We're not doing anything that's <laughs> new. Paradox as a publisher, they have a habit of doing that. They will, I don't know if they do it unintentionally or if they do it on purpose, but they have a, they have this, it's almost like they watch out for big games and see what they're not doing <laughs> yeah. and what people are wanting from them and then yeah. doing them so themselves. They did that with their... Watch for somebody to fall. And yeah. Like, but they're, but they're, I mean, they're, they're, they now own like, well, they actually develop um, like the Crusader Kings that's, series. That's that the European one I was talking about. Yeah, they're Crusader now the Kings, Kings of... Grand strategy for me exactly. as well. They but, did the grand strategy thing where people were like talking about we want to create our own stories in civilization mm. better, and they they just made it so open ended that I think uh, HBO are now talking to them about um, licensing, or they're talking to them about their Game of Thrones <laughs> mod. 
yeah. to be like if we oh, if we wanted to do something because the, the Game of Thrones <laughs> mod for Crusader. I thought he meant that like somebody at HBO would be going. I've been playing this two <laughs> <laughs> game. It's an amazing story, and, and then HBO then bought the rights to history from, <laughs> yeah. from Paradox. So Paradox <laughs> going. I can't believe I can't that. Believe that. But we just we just took five million pounds for the rights to the Tudors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think they're all over the groups uh, yeah. things now. Well, and yeah, so Paradox is probably sure are doing pretty damn well. But they, yeah, City Skylines is it is just a good city building game. It it does a lot of things in a similar way to SimCity in terms of the presentation style, that kind of uh, kind of focus. The because I love the I actually loved and I, it's got me in a lot of trouble. I loved a lot of things about um, EA SimCity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought a lot of the stuff that people complained about was yeah, it was bollocks. Like I didn't like the the online nature of stuff. Well, I would have done if it had actually been implemented properly. Yeah. Oh, God, we are talking about the Xbox One. How does this happen? <laughs> How did this happen? But no, I, lo- I love the idea of, like, you know, having, like, a bunch of different cities that mm-hmm. work together and, like, no, you make lots of little city yeah. things that specialise in, in areas and stuff, but then it didn't really work. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it is a lovely idea, but there's so much of sacrifice to, to chase after that. And, um, yeah. Again, Xbox One. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, so there isn't any multiplayer in City Skylines, but you can achieve a similar effect in in the single player. You can create... The, the map, the playing field is so big that you can create your own cities that specialise in different things. And actually, even within the cities themselves. So the, the whole building um, kind of infrastructure, it works in a similar way to SimCity. You kind mm-hmm. of... you colour in bits of the map. You, you you build all the roads and then you'll be like, this bit can be residential, this bit will be industry, this bit will be commercial and then buildings pop up as a result. But you have a, a few layers of control on top of that. Like you can uh, pick certain areas to be districts uh, and you can name them and, and have a lot of freedom with that stuff. And then you can, for say, if, if you've made a, an industrial district, you can tell it to focus on a certain type of industry that, that fits your image of, of what kind of city it is. I, I've gone mainly like lumberjacks and farming. Um, I didn't. Get, I didn't go high tech at all, which is weird. Get a sense of like uh, the society changing due to the economic decisions you make. Yeah. Uh, so one of the another like, actually with SimCity is that although you could follow around individual Sims, um, if you actually did that, you found out that their <laughs> jobs actually changed on a yeah. daily basis, and they weren't. There was no consistency. Whereas whereas this seems. Um, like, like they've got the right and yeah you can generally like it, it's all pretty basic it's not it's, it's maybe not as um kind of in-depth in any part of the game as some people would like but for me it's been perfect yeah. i got a sense that if i can cl- like click on a sim i can kind of you know you see where they live you can see which high school they went to and actually education is a really good way of seeing that progression of your city because it takes so long for your your city as a whole to become educated um it feels that there is a sense of progression there. Well, that's one of the things I really liked about SimCity. Um, uh, lots of people complained about the, yeah, the lack of specific simulation. Like you couldn't, yeah, if you followed one person, mm-hmm. then it was kind of fudged because yeah. it was it was simulating. But as a city as a whole, it was it, simulating a society, like rather than individuals. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really mind that. I think the focus is still there, to be honest with this as well. But yeah. I just love the way when SimCity when I was my first city, I made everyone really intelligent, it was mm-hmm. really healthy green city everything was great everyone was happy and then the second city I was just trying to make tons of money yeah so it's yeah. like coal mining did it. and then and then I started building all the schools and stuff and the game was like uh, hold hold on there like, <laughs> you know, make, 
you, you, you realise if you make these people too intelligent, they're gonna they stop. won't want to work in coal yeah. mines. Does it got that sort of Yes, yeah, that happens. In, in fact, like it, it does it, it's still quite a base level. Like you'll, In fact, it's got uh, this, this stupid pop-up system where citizens of your cities will tweet at you, or tweet in general, <laughs> which um, gets a bit repetitive and eventually you want to turn it off, but it's quite a nice um, little quirk to start with. And you'll get see people... Like educated people um, will maybe moan about the industries that you've you've gone into. In fact, I have had people moaning at me in my city because it's not high tech enough. Because I've gone for I've had this big farming. Um, I, I don't know. I built a really nice big road, and I thought, you know what? If you're driving along here at some speed, I'd like to be driving past farmland <laughs> and like some lovely views. And that kind of now dominated the actual city. But I've just got this huge, massive road with like farms, and it's not efficient at all. And yeah. I, the thing I like about this genre and about this game, the reason I've really fallen into it, is because you can't really beat it. There is a, there is a sense of progression, and you unlock buildings as your population gets bigger. And if you do certain things, you'll get unique monuments that you can build to be like, ah, look, I've I've you know made this type of city, and now I can do this. But really, the objectives are all things that you place yourself. Like, um, it, it really like like you say, you you the, you built two different cities there, and the second one obviously has some big disadvantages to it. Mm. But that's a personal choice, and it, you like a lot of games would tell you off for doing the bad thing or or the not not making the best city, which might be an objective. But these are all things that you end up choosing to do yourself. And I ended up restarting um, after about four hours or something because I wasn't happy with my road layout, and I could have maybe demolished buildings and and kind of um, fixed it, but I just wanted to start from scratch, and that's generally a good sign that yeah. a game's got me. I think the thing, I think it was because, you know, living in London, I found SimCity really fascinating just because of the fact that uh, it, it did put that emphasis. I think people, as gamers, I mean, it's difficult because it, it doesn't give people as gamers what they want because people want to be able to build these massive, sprawling cities that mm. are almost like almost utopias. You know, you want to be able to build the perfect, huge, yeah. mega city, everything's smooth, everything's... Everything's nice, but as somebody who lives in cities, I found that the emphasis in SimCity of the idea of being like, yeah, you can have one place where everyone's really happy and everything yes. going brilliantly, but then in order to do that, the rubbish needs to go somewhere. Yep. So you can ship that, you can take that in lorries out to this town where maybe less educated people will live who don't earn much money yeah, to look after it. And it was this, it was the realities of, yeah, of the economics I, I being this idea of being like, if one place is, is perfect and everything is great, then that means somewhere else has to be less nice in order for that to subsist. God, I, got, was, I hope that was their intention, because that's a brilliant message for I a Sim it, City game I to have. I get the impression it was. So in, in City Skylines, you don't have to have... So you do have more freedom in that respect. You don't have to have a town that specialises in that. You can't. You but you do end up creating areas where the bad stuff happens. Mm. So even though my city is quite green, I, I've got like uh, wind energy being, you know, the a key part of of how I, you know, keep the lights on everything. That they're really really noisy. So noisy, in fact, that people will start to like get health problems just by living too close to them. But unfortunately, some people do have to live quite close to them because it's the the best place to put these turbines is like really close to where my city is. Yeah. And um, yeah, you do end up making these sacrifices and just kind of convincing yourself that that's okay. Well, that's and what I kind of loved about it. It's cool, isn't it? I mean, I, I kind of do wonder whether it was intentional or not, but I, I think I hope it was intentional because lots of people haven't got annoyed about these small cities, but 
I think, yeah, it's difficult because it makes it a different sort of game. It mm-hmm. no longer becomes mm-hmm. this sort of like make city builder. It becomes something else. It becomes yeah. a kind of like a uh, society simulation. Yeah. <laughs> I think especially in a time where like we are looking at huge overcrowding and huge problems with resources in the world, having a game in which was like you've run out of space, somebody's going to have to live right next to all the shit um, was kind of a really interesting thing to have in a game. Again, if that was an accident, then, you know, Mm. but if it was... I wonder wonder if that was a side product of of the fact that they had to have these smaller cities and have them split into cities because of the multiplayer thing they were in, or if that was a reason behind it. It's Yeah, it's... And... It's a shame that like we won't really know. No, I guess not. That Especially like Maxis is, yeah, Maxis is gone. Mm. Yeah, like there's there's a little bit of Maxis left by the sound of it, the the lion's share of that studio. But anyway, it's cool. It's, it's a big city builder, and people have wanted one. I, yeah. I wish I could get on with those games. I I've tried so many times mm. to play them games, um, but I've just I, I, there's something is about it, the, it. Like what? What is it? The fact it's, that there's something like to me, an like, objective to start yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Funny enough, I went to. Paradox Con convention uh, a couple of years ago, and they had a game called Cities in Motion. I think that is actually called. the same dev. That's why yeah, I, 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 they, I, I thought so. They have a they have a habit of taking the same development team, making them do the same concept, just a little fleshed out yeah. and rebranding yeah. it and doing and doing and putting you, it out. But yeah, I was playing that game, and everyone who goes to Paradox Con is there because they know Paradox games. Mm. Right? Yeah, they know them inside out. Like they are hanging around on the Reddit threads for each of these games and they're well known amongst the communities. But obviously Paradox wants some mainstream coverage as well. So they came to CBG and I got sent to their to, to their convention. Almost everything there was just completely complete cold to so me. So intimidating. Like, and the thing is, I went to play Cities in Motion. I'm sitting down, and this is a game. It's not like high high level, but putting buildings in places. It's literally about putting roads in places and doing it right. I was That's awful at it, and the still worst kind of part. What this is, I guess. Yeah, the worst part was, it's it's a company small enough that the developers are actually at the event as well. Oh no! So the developer came. One of the main developers came and <laughs> stood behind me and watched over my shoulder, <laughs> as if to like see see. They basically kind of using it as a playtesting environment as well to see how well we're getting on with it. And I noticed this person standing behind me and same person that introduced it and said, you know, we've been working on this for years and this, that. And immediately I was like, I have no idea what to do. And if this person finds out that I'm, I'm basically a fraud, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to besmirch the name like of our good company. So I just found the graph with the most amount of numbers on there and just like looked at it. And just, and just stroking my chin like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. and then just eventually the person just walked away it was a good 5-10 minutes I bet they were writing down in there yeah. in notepad red yeah. likes graphs red likes graphs needs more graphs detailed information <laughs> I was just like man I have no idea what to do I literally couldn't find the 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 tool that would let me place a road that's how obtuse oh. it was to me I couldn't find it in the UI yeah. so I was just it like it's always gonna stare a at this graph. kind of awkwardness you have actually when you end up going to press events that you've been sent to and the developers are clearly really passionate about their game mm. and it's clear sometimes especially when it's a series and it's been going for a while yeah and they kind of really they love it and it's kind of heartbreaking when you're sitting down there and they're watching you play and they're trying to talk to you about it and you're just like you don't know how to break it and be like dude I don't know I don't understand yeah, I don't what you're anything. talking about <laughs> I've never really heard of this game <laughs> it's I, very sweet that you love it so much but <laughs> I don't think I care about it <laughs> yeah well, the first one I first joined CVG I think they sent me to a, uh, a FIFA event and very quickly 
they realised that I didn't know what I was doing because I was just slide tackling the shit out of everyone. I had no idea what I was doing. It was just slide tackle, red card, red card, red card. And eventually they were like, oh, okay, maybe we should uh, get him off the... Uh, Demo stations and stuff. So Somebody tries to line me up to do an interview about an F1 game once. <laughs> I, I, oh, I've lost track of how many times exactly I told them that trying to get me to interview someone about an F1 game was the worst idea in the world. Um, <laughs> in the end, I think I just had to say no. <laughs> because they were like, it's fine, you could just talk to him for 10 minutes. It's like, <laughs> about what? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Yeah. Um, Weird. I-, I can imagine ParadoxCon being probably the worst example of that as well because mm. their games. I love a lot of their things very dearly, but man, do they not introduce oh, man. you to no, them no, very no. easily. I was so happy when they had when they bought out this side-scrolling action game. They were like, uh, this is inspired by Smash Brothers. You could hear me go, yes! <laughs> <laughs> the only person. I understand the concept. I know how to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I tried Crusader Kings 2, and yeah, even I, like, after about an hour, I was it's- like, it's this. got better actually. I, I went back to it recently, and um, they've actually made a proper tutorial, yeah. which one thing would take as long as it has. But um, yeah, that because of the nature of how they do those games, they've been releasing DLC on a very regular basis um, since the start. Uh, I remember it's one of those not games in, that, in yeah. quite the cynical way it sounds either. But um, yeah. as a result, they've they've kind of realised that new people are starting to like drift into it and we should probably make a tutorial that doesn't crash or yeah. that, you know, explains the game. They, yeah, make, right, they, right. <laughs> they make a lot of good games that people who are inclined towards strategy games really, really love. And being there, that was the best part of being there. I went back three times, but and I didn't really have much of a choice, but I always enjoyed the fact that they had such a good, passionate community. Yeah. And a lot of the people were that were there weren't just journalists. It was just random people from their community. And it was so good seeing that. You don't get much of that these yeah, days. It's, it's no. If you're going to play Crusader Kings 2, by the way, start off as Ireland. It, it gives you some very clear goals to start with. You don't have to worry about European politics. It's brilliant. That's, that is, a, that is a, a good bit of political <laughs> advice. <laughs> so, Tamar, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm going to make you regret inviting me here and say that. To, to, to be honest, I've, I'm in a bit of a malaise at the moment. That's, That's fine. what everyone describes it I as. I think the game malaise is a thing. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah, I'm, I just feel, I'm, feel like I'm in a fog just going from one point to another trying to find something that will take my fancy. I know, like, in the distance is Bloodborne, and that is what. Yeah. That is just counting down towards that and I know that's going to just clear it up entirely I hope anyway I did find that game malaise was something which I've always struggled with from time to time but it was definitely something which the symptoms began to get much worse Doctor yeah. when uh, <laughs> after Dark Souls I think Dark Souls was the first game that, that put me into a Hmm. a really nasty yeah. like I didn't want to play anything that wasn't Dark Souls for yeah. quite a long time that's, that's kind I've of, never been the same since yeah that's kind of a come down but I, I, I haven't had anything that was such a high and then coming down from that that's causing it it's just it's just something about uh, the games that are out now are just not sticking but I guess the the upside of it is that I'm very rapidly moving in between games and not really sticking around so I played Sunset Overdrive to completion that's kind of, That's kind of more no, but that was that was that was that was pre malaise. That was one of the games that contributed to it, and that, that was that was after Assassin's Creed. So I played that to completion. Oh right, played um, to see the reasons. Yeah, exactly. And then I played Sunset Overdrive, another open world game, and then I went to uh, Far Cry. And oh, Far that's Cry. a lot of oh, side man, objectives to do. Cry. Honestly, Ugh. I talked about this on our podcast, but honestly, I pressed the map button, and all the icons I saw, I was like, I can't do this. And then I zoomed out. And there was even more. I was like, the whole like area of the map covered in red. And I was like, 
I can't do this. I can't do this. And I, I just I stopped know, playing. I don't know you, how you yourself like have got into that now, like because it really is too much. The Isn't worst, it? the worst part of it is, it's not even. There was a time when, as reviewers, we would criticize games that had side objectives or knickknacks to pick up that had no bearing on the game. We'd be like, it has no point. Why is it there? Mm. That was a genuine down point. Yeah, I've reached the point where Ubisoft. Their knickknacks and the stuff they put on the side actually impact the game. So it's like you collect this amount, amount of things and then you've got this upgrade waiting for you. I hate that. I hate that the core, there's core parts of the game yeah. are locked away in, in these like treasure chests and stuff. Like, I used to be able to, I can't ignore them now. And as someone who's paid 40 quid for a game, it's it's kind of, I'm one of those people that it'll, it'll always have this little voice in my head saying, you paid £40 for this game and you're actively annoying content, uh, ignoring content that should be there and you should be experiencing. And it just plays on my mind. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've taken that game out, decided I'm not playing that game. I don't want it, it's too much. And the then put reaction. it back in being I the, like... I have the same thing of being like, I want to see it all, I want to see all this stuff to do, but I have this thing of being like, I feel like I need to do all of it, and if I decide that I can't do all of it, I just mm-hmm. don't play the game. It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Almost killed Dragon Age Inquisition for me. The, uh, I, I, after the first area, I told myself that I'd just stop trying to 100% things. Mm. And that, that you can see very clearly, it's influenced by Ubisoft or, or, or that kind of take on how yeah. world games need to be done. Because it's, it's these, side, these meaningless side quests, the ones that don't have a story to tell, don't have a point to them yeah. other than this is a good way of you know, keeping players engaged and, you know, they feel like they should, they bought a get an open world game, they feel like they deserve a certain you know, we need to be able to say there's a hundred hours of content here. I think it was yeah. two hundred with Dragon Age actually. Yeah. Um and yeah, as a result, it, it's almost it feels almost like computer generated side quests. Like mm. the, there's a lot so few of them had any heart to them. And I feel that's come from games like, like the yeah. big Ubisoft names. Yeah. I th- I was playing it and I, every time I took it out and said I'm not playing it, inevitably I would come back and try it again. And that game is really, really intense and it really gets on your back about distracting you from the main objective. Not not even just with stuff like there's a chest here, but with animals attacking you. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the most distressing. If you're the kind of person who gets overwhelmed easily, which I'm not, but in my current fragile Malay state, I am kind <laughs> of like, I'm, I'm, I'm liable to snap any moment. That game will just push you over the edge because I'm trying to get from point A to point B the driving is terrible. You jump in a car and you want to drive. And if you're driving manually, you want to take a shortcut or something. The moment you take off the road, you'll hit a tree and then you damage yourself and then your car's totaled. And then you get out and walk and some animal will attack you out of nowhere. By the time you got to your objective, you're out of ammo. <laughs> You've got like no health. And then what's waiting for you? Like the mission that did it for me was like burn the opium, opium field which is going to this like fortress kind of thing. And it was a literal army wing for me. One man, I was playing it on my own. And the moment I crossed a threshold into the actual game, uh, the mission area, there was a guy with mortars that just knew exactly where I was and was just shelling me. And honestly, I felt like I was in, in a war. I was like, it was so overwhelming. I was like, I can't do this. I, I just took it out. I haven't put it back in since. And I moved on to Alien Isolation, which is almost as <laughs> Which is almost as bad. It is. It is. If, this is too stressful. I was like, okay, I'll play a stealth game. Nice pacing. You know, every now and then the alien will come and he will, you know, he'll try and tickle me and that kind of thing. And you know, I'll hide in a vent for a little while and come back and use my emotion track. No, the alien does not behave like that. At all. So all this, I've talked about this again before, but it's like all this, all this time going into it. They're like, the alien's really intelligent. It behaves like a predator. Bullshit. It does not behave like a predator it comes down event it knows you're there 
but it can't attack you until you do something stupid to trip up and activate his attacking, like it's attacking patterns now. So instead of just behaving like an actual predator where it's, it jumps in, searches an area, realizes the area is clear and then moves on. No, it just, it jumps in, it'll walk up and down the corridor, hang around outside of the room. It knows you're there, it gravitates <laughs> towards you. It will jump up a vent and then wait for you to come out of your locker and it will jump down again and then you got to get back in the locker until you actually make a mistake to trigger it. It's just hanging around. It's just there, which is so annoying. And it's one of those games where I was in a locker waiting for it to just move on. And it wouldn't. It was like 20 minutes. And I was like, what am I doing? I can feel the time just just wasting. I'm literally wasting my time playing this game. And it's annoying because it, it's the rest of the game, the uh, working Joes and, and every, everyone else who's on the, on the, uh, was it, the uh, space station, they behave... And they um, act like traditional stealth game characters. Like they have a kind of set routine. Um, they follow patterns in certain ways. They're a little more dynamic where if they see something off in a distance that is technically outside of their vision cone, Metal Gear Solid terms, but they'll investigate it. It's got just enough dynamic elements to it to make you feel like it's interesting. But the alien, he just ignore it just ignores all of that. It jumps out. It's a one hit kill kind of enemy where if you're if it sees you, you're dead. There's no, there's no escaping it. But then it behaves in really unnatural ways. Like I said, just patrolling up and down corridors, just waiting for you to mess up until it eventually gets bored or just something triggers it to go away. That kind of, that element of it, I just really disliked. I just, I just gave up on that as well. I'd be interested to find out. I don't think we will for quite a while, like how exactly that system works, because they, they, they did talk about it being, um, you know, acting naturally and that they, what the, it wasn't doing exactly what you've just mm. described. I do feel like there is, it's much more scripted than... Yeah, I think I was... I, I think that we thought it yeah. might be, but... I think there's two parts of it. There's, there's, there's areas which are scripted where the alien will always appear. And then there's areas outside of that, which are, if you make a lot of noise, then it will appear. Um, that makes I, sense, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in a scripted point where it will appear, it's always going to be there. So that's kind of... Uh, emphasizing all the issues that I have with it because it's just it's waiting for me to move on but at the same time it's standing in front of the exit there's points where the door I need is behind him and he's right. just hanging around waiting for you and it's not like you can just run through the door you got to run up there type in a code and it's and it does that thing <laughs> where it's got you know old architecture and or old engineering sort of door needs to move pistons around and open by the time <laughs> that's happened the, the xenomorphs found you and eaten you it's done but I've not reached uh, that That was too much it pushed me over the edge so I was like I can't, I can't deal with this either so so where did this start they started with Assassin's Creed yeah who, was it? Was that from that to Assassin's Creed was annoying Assassin's with Creed a few too many side quests so yeah. you played yeah, Far yeah. Cry yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's too intense it's so, stressful this is, this is the issue this is the like this is the problem with <laughs> buying loads of games in franchises or buying games just as soon as they come out, day one, because I'm that kind of person where I get caught up in the hype. And if I feel like deep down, I know a game's going to be interesting or good, I'll buy it, even if I've not read any reviews. So Assassins, I'm a fan of the series. So I, I was in there day one. Same with Far Cry. I enjoyed the last game. Alien, a new interesting alien game that's getting good reviews. Mm -hmm. I bought them all at the same time. They were within a week of each other. 
that was a mistake. If I had maybe like taken them, paced it, and I didn't spread know what you mean about the intensity of action games generally, though. I think yeah. like first person games and third person games all share that in common. Yeah, it's like I keep meaning to go back and play Shadow of Mordor. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I will because it's like I know yeah. it's good. It won, it won an award at the GDC last week, and I met one of the guys who worked on the A for it. And it's they're like, Baftas in it, I think, aren't they? Like, yeah, they're probably the Baftas. They're as well. probably gonna win that. <laughs> I know it's really good, but the thing is, I just find myself these days for the same reason as you being. Like, oh, just sometimes playing games like that can be a bit stressful. Yeah. It can be in itself a bit like... And that's is, where they're exciting. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, sometimes life is exciting enough. And you just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've got to enjoy the, just turn-based games. Just yeah. put a space bar, sit down, have a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. And the games that I have moved on to and I'm kind of feeling more comfortable playing are surprisingly games that sound like they should be triggering the same uh, emotions in me like rpg grinding kind of things so i've been playing marvel heroes 2015 mm-hmm. um it's it's a free to play uh kind of uh, diablo clone kind of game um available on steam and it's one of those games where right from the outset you're, you i felt comfortable with it because it's it is diablo um skinned in a marvel universe and it's really fun because i can just put on a podcast and i feel like i'm doing multiple things at once mm. i feel like i'm making progress in like uh listening to podcasts and playing a game and it's it's quite a fun game it's i was doing the same thing with destiny yeah this thing is like uh, I, that's why i resonated with destiny so much was it was like an action game mm. but it wasn't really very intense you mm. can make it intense if you want to but mostly you can just zone out yeah and like that's weirdly rare these days yeah. like I like being able to zone out and play video games and I can't with stuff like and I think a lot of it does come down to the crazy map stuff in games like mm. Far Cry and stuff I just want to zone out yeah. go around the jungle with a gun but then it's like yeah you've got to keep looking at what you're doing where are you going going the right way you've driven down the wrong road you're miles on the wrong road <laughs> and there's just so much going on yeah. that it requires a lot of your attention Marvel Heroes 2015 for anyone who's interested in it is, is quite, it's quite good it's the original game that they released I remember getting panned pretty badly because it was, wasn't very good yeah I remember yeah they relaunched it as 2015 they added that onto the end and it is from what I've played I didn't play the original enough to provide a detailed critical analysis of what was bad about it right. but the game that I'm playing now it's it's really fun it's you know how when you launched Diablo and it was like you had these different classes and each played slightly differently and you kind of had fun experimenting with each one imagine that spread across the many hundreds of Marvel characters there are. There's loads and loads and loads of Marvel characters. Each of them plays a little different. Um, I suppose having some interest in Marvel is Yeah, it does, yeah. it does, it does. <laughs> the great thing about it is when you... They've done a lot of smart things. I imagine this is one of the things that they introduced is when you start the game, I remember when it first came out, you picked the hero and that was it. You were kind of screwed if you turns out you didn't like that character. What they do now is they allow you to... They give you a selection of starting heroes and they allow you to... Um, take each one up to level 10 and then you can lock in which one you want to stick with and then go from carry on from level 10 from there and then if you like other characters you can buy them or sample them as you go along and the fun thing about it is it's not stingy with loot it's like every enemy you beat up is always dropping something cool like loot wise and if you don't like the loot you just give it into the merchant and all that does is it makes the merchant more likely to sell give you better deals or getting better items and stuff like that and I've been doing mainly, the story's a bit hokey, but, you know, it's Marvel games. They're, they're always a bit weird. Um, but I've just been doing this one, like, repeatable quest, which is a uh, Manhattan Patrol quest, which you go into the main area. It's just massive, this large area, mobs of enemies just constantly. And there's a timer, five-minute timer, that just keeps going round and round. And when it, reaches, when it reaches the end of it, an event happens. Like, every five minutes, something happens. Like So you just hang around killing mobs of enemies, just clicking on them and they die. Um, 
when the five minutes is done, like sentinels might just fall from the sky and you get to fight these sentinels for a while. You wipe them out, carry on, you've got maybe three minutes left. Doctor Doom has appeared. Run over and fight him and other heroes might jump in and you've got AI characters running around. Really, really fun, just clicky, 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 collect stuff and see cool stuff happen kind of game. But it's kind of like helping ease the, the malaise somewhat. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Oh, I recommend it. Yeah. yeah, it is. There well, is, I, it is. I really had a great time with Path of Exile when that was right. out, you know? That was another kind of free-to-play Diablo-like. Mm. And again, like I was just really impressed with how like generous it was with what you got for nothing. It, it didn't feel like you were being dicked on at yeah. any stage. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was like, hey, you having fun? Here's the shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, buy these things <laughs> or you will never have fun ever, ever again. Yeah. I'm kind of balancing that with Monster Hunter 4, which is the complete opposite where it's really, really stingy with what it gives you. But in that... You don't. You're not getting stuff for free. You need to <laughs> you really work for what you want, I've been a lot of which Monster is Hunter really fun. And I don't know, but I've I've I dipped in and out of Monster Hunter. But I've I, my younger brother. He's a savant at Monster Hunter. He's been playing hundreds of hours each one and knows it inside out. And having someone who knows the games inside out to take you around and show you the ins and outs and show you the cool tricks and it's it's such a different experience. It's so much more fun. Oh, the, it's tons of stuff. Yeah, I think, I feel like this one has as been talked about a little bit more um, yeah. in, in circles that wouldn't usually talk about Monster Hunter. Is yeah. there something about this particular version that it's, it's, I think the, encourages that? The, the actual, the way it's uh, kind of uh, formatted in terms of quests and stuff, like that, it's just easier to get into. Yeah. I think the mm. tutorials, I think the main thing that helps is every weapon now has a tutorial. Yeah. Um, so you pick up a weapon, is if it's the new one, the insect, insect glaive, and you go into like an arena thing and it'll show you. And for the most part, the control text that they just give you is the same for each weapons, and they're just explaining what what's different about the properties of the attack, and that's that helps a lot. Yeah, like way it's, way it's more. It's a lot better with uh, like introducing new new players, mm-hmm. and I think also I get the impression that in the early stages of the game, it's a lot less uh, stingy with loot. Yeah, which means that uh, in the first one, I remember I just had to kill like great jaggies like loads of times just to get a suit of armor in this in the early stages you kill a monster three times you can probably make a full set of armor yeah. so it basically means quite quickly you get the sense of you're getting stuff getting stuff done and it's interesting I'm starting to get like not into I'm not even in the high rank yet I'm not even in the, the second layer of the three layers of difficulty <laughs> right. but um, I found that I like the fact that you sort of go well you know I've started collect- I just collect armor sets I've got like eight different sets of armor now. Yeah. and yeah. I find myself thinking is there any point doing this before you got to the next difficulty level and it's like well yeah because actually you're like grinding in a way, but then I've also realized that I'm actually like innately just getting better at learning the monsters and like mm. monsters that used to be killing me repeatedly. I'm now just like, just without thinking, just dodging their attacks at the right yeah. time in the right way. And it's like, oh shit, I'm, I've learned something. I'm getting good at this <laughs> yeah. game. It's, so. it's, it's equivalent to playing Mike Tyson's punch out. So instead, the way you're learning the tells for like all the fighters mm. in that boxing game, it's the monsters. You're learning them. Yeah. Uh, every, even if you're getting beaten by them constantly, you're learning, oh, when he's doing this, you know, type of roar, it means he's trying to call other monsters yeah. to him, which means I need to do this. But in terms of collecting armor, I think the the draw for me of that is, is something that Joe Scrabbles, who's also been on this podcast, wrote for uh, an article about for Eurogamer. Um, it's about getting into the multiplayer lobby and showing off what you've got to your friends. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't done that yet. But when I got into a lobby with my younger brother and he's got this badass, like pure black armor and looks like a, a cane from Final Fantasy. I was like, man, that looks awesome. I want that thing. That was it. That's what triggers you to be like, I, I need to keep doing this, keep yeah, doing I'm, this. I'm hearing a lot of uh, a lot of the reasons I used to play World of Warcraft. I, I've actually been mm-hmm. having a similar conversation with uh, Wes um, 
from Yuriyama, who, who is really big into Destiny. And, yeah, yeah. Um, just just talking about like we mentioned grinding earlier, or, or the the idea of grinding, or, or, or do, repeating something with with a, you know the feeling that it, it's it's worth your time. It's actually if it's handled right, it can be incredibly satisfying. And as you mentioned yeah, yeah. as well before, it can also you can means you can do other things at the same time. Mm. You can listen to a podcast. In fact, some people might well be grinding in something right now. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hi, hi. Um, and yeah, like. It, it definitely comes down to different games handling that that idea better than others. But for for such a terribly boring uh, gameplay idea, it, grinding can can be brilliant. Like I, yeah. I remember doing it, like getting into a certain rhythm, and it was just relaxing. Which is yeah, well, weird. Hmm. I, I'm realizing with Monsanto, it's nice in fact that people say, oh, you sometimes you've got to kill a monster loads of times to get all the stuff you need for the armor. It does, again, it just doesn't feel like a grind because at first sometimes it does, but then you realize that actually. Um, in the process of finding the same monster six times in a row, just try and get this one specific rare drop that you need by cutting off its tail, and then that's yeah, quite a, hard yeah. to do it itself. You realize you just yeah, you're learning how to fight it better. You're getting better at fighting it. It yeah. means that you're going to need that. So actually, you're not. It's, grinding always suggests that somehow the process is pointless. You know, it's like mm. there's nothing there. There's nothing you're getting out of it other than eventually getting the items that you need, and mm. it's just a kind of like a worthless waste of your time that it has to do it to pad it out but it's kind of nice in a game like Monster Hunter because there's so much to learn mm. you have this sense of being like it feels sometimes to a, lay, to a layman or a newcomer that you're being forced to do something again and again and just again to pad it out right? but actually yeah. you're not like you are actually you're learning and mm. it's when I was I think I was fighting as an ogre and it's, they're basically like it's like an electric dragon dog mm. thing and they're <laughs> really vicious and really nasty and yeah. It just kept wiping me out, but now it's like I can take them on really easily. Though. That's one too many things. Either have an electric dog, a dragon dog, an electric dragon. Honestly, they, more you, has more dragons. Yeah, something amazing. Things. I fought something which is like a monkey lemur thing. Yeah, and good. it looks really, that's really cool. That's yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the one. What I like about oh, I know those. What I like about actually playing it is the pacing of the actual combat. It feels like it's a proper Capcom thing where it feels like. In the same way that you might play a grappling character in Street Fighter like Zangief, you have to be very, unlike someone like Ryu or Ken, where you can just overwhelm with fireballs and dragon punches and hurricane kicks and eventually you will chip away enough to take away the health. With with uh, with character like Zangief, you need to every move needs to have a purpose and it needs to be thought out and yeah. carefully timed. And that's what's kind of really great about uh, Monster Hunter's combat it feels like they had a character who was quick and energetic and could take out monsters quickly and then they what they started doing was started tying weights to it and trying yeah. to make you feel like when, when when this person when a person playing presses a button they need to be they need to know why they're doing it when they're doing it and it needs to be perfect yeah. and what i love is how monster to monster that changes so you're constantly like you're never comfortable in the combat you might be comfortable with using your weapon you might know the range on it or how long it takes to sheath or you know the special techniques that you can do but every monster that appears it makes you rethink that and it's really really interesting right. I really it's, enjoy it's that the way that it basically means that for each of the weapon sets for example you get a weapon like and you know you learn how to do the combo with that mm -hmm. weapon and it's like you know maybe like Y A Y or whatever and then you can learn how to chain together things and combos but then it's like you know how to do your combo mm. when you do it is another thing because if you find yourself in a position of just running up to a monster and then hitting your combo buttons you're pretty going to die because it becomes this thing of usually with a weapon like when you actually get to pull off a full combo it's like a little special treat yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like you go oh he's done this I've got like a second 
And there's, and I, yeah, there's a moment just beforehand where you're just frantically trying to align yourself properly yeah. because if you're not perfectly aligned, as that monster's getting up from its downed animation, it's going to throw your combo off completely and you're just going to be hitting air. Yeah, like, or even just as simple as sometimes it'll be like you have to line it up properly because if you hit this soft bit of flesh here, yeah. it will do less damage. Mm. But if you hit it just to, like a few feet to the left or the right, you'll hit like plating armor which will bounce your sword off yeah. and break your combo. And right. It's, there's a lot, it is. It's really thing, great. Maybe it's a slow progression of per mm. for perfection and you feel like a boss. When yeah, maybe that's yeah. the difference. The fact that it allows you to show off a little bit whilst you're doing that. You have mm. these moments where you, you know, you go, oh, that was quite cool I just did there. It, it makes the grind feel different because, you know, certain RPGs will, will treat the word grind or the idea behind that in terms of like, Right, you've got this much health, they've got that much, you just keep pressing this certain attack until you've, you've beaten that one. Yeah. And that's it, you just repeat that process. I think it's the sense of mastery you can get. I think yeah. some games like, I mean, I like um, like action games, like, like you know, Dead My Cry and stuff, but yeah. I always get the sense that in a lot of, especially the old school Japanese designed mm -hmm. ones, uh, you know, like Bayonetta and things, the level of, the sensation of mastery comes with a high level of skill as well. <coughs> you have to actually practice and you have to be technically very good at, doing things very quickly and it will still become a rhythm I guess but yeah there is a, the, well, the fact that there's an element of skill to, there yeah. it's a lot harder to achieve that sense of mastery and it's a frantic sense of mastery that you can't appreciate until afterwards whereas Monsanto because it's a bit more slow and a bit more considered and when you're doing everything right it's very much just a case of this sort of careful rhythm of things and you just mm. feel like the mastery is a bit more it's a bit more zen in a weird way yeah. when you first start fighting a monster in Monsanto the first few times you get wiped it's it's intense it's like you properly at some moments like heart in your chest but once you understand how to fight these monsters mm. yeah. it's very calm and it's very just like just a very calm method of approaching it and it's quite relaxing it's, it's weird having said that when you have a bunch of people playing multiplayer it can feel like uh, like a, a crazy, 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 crazy kind of fight where everyone's running away from this monster and then you're shouting commands at each other, like running now to attack to someone while someone else is kind of healing. And then you might remember halfway through that the guy who was supposed to paintball the monster forgot to paintball the monster yeah, and it's off. run away and you have no idea where on the map it is and you've got to split <laughs> up and try and find where yeah. it is. Because when it runs, after you do enough damage to a monster, it will run off to a different part of the map and it's like I loading mean, screen in between them. Yeah. And if you, if, and yeah. Like, yeah. I found it, I found it. And then you've got to like try and hold your ground for long enough until your friends get together. And it can be quite of, kind of chaotic and fun in the same way that something like Left 4 Dead is, gets crazy when someone accidentally shoots the witch and it's just everything's going mad and you're trying to make sense of it at once. That's the kind of like cool multiplayer yeah, element. I really of it want to play really more of the multiplayer. I really yeah. want to play it more. I kind of, it makes me sad that they don't have a big screen version of it like in the same yeah. way that Try is out. But mm. I would love to see a, a, like a massive, like nicely detailed version of it on my on my Wii U. But it's a shame. It's still worth playing on the 3DS, so it's very undoubtedly. Good. It is very good. I'm still playing it. I, I, I lost interest in 3 uh, like after like uh, probably 20 hours. Mm. I'm about 50 hours into 4. And oh, I'm man. still just enjoying picking it up. Yeah, I think my younger brothers are about 150 or something. It's nice to so. say there's a pleasant grind to it, and it means that thing of being like, you know, you can just play it for like 20 minutes. So you can play it when you're watching TV. You can mm. be like, I'm going to get a suit of this armor. Because yeah, I just yeah. like collecting the armor suits. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I look really cool. <laughs> I grind for armor on my train trips to work yeah, and yeah. back. And then when I'm at home, I'll attempt a new mission. Yeah. And then if that's I complete a really the mission, great mix yeah, if I yeah. complete the mission and there's always sub quests I'll do a sub quest on the way to work and then a grind on the way back and it's like you're getting a nice mix of stuff yeah because there's a ton of preparation like I've got a mission at the moment I need to do where I need to kill two like electric dragon things mm. uh, and it's like I, don't, I didn't have any armor with good electricity resistance so I'm like right well I'm going to get a set of Zenoga armor which has really good electricity and I'm like oh also I need to get five 
like thunder resistant gems. What do I mean for that? Mm. And so it means I've had this process. It's probably taken me about two and a half hours to get all the things I need. Yeah. And I haven't done that mission yet, but I know the next but time I try it, it, it will be a piece of paper. This, I love the idea that you can you can like build towards that on your commute to work or yeah. whatever, and then yeah. there's a nice little payoff when you get back home. Oh, it's yeah. like right now, let's play, play yeah, the game yeah, properly. Yeah, right? yeah. That's actually that's, exactly. That's, that's great. I don't know many games that no, can manage that. I'm just looking forward to playing with my little brother again because I love playing it with him. And it's just a thing of like we both split off. And we both play through yeah. the single player stuff and we collect the things we want to collect mm. so we get the items we want to get and then we go and play yeah. and we show off our armors and show off our swords and exactly yeah and if you and if you're playing at the same pace where like you might be aiming for one type of armor to exploit a certain weakness while someone else is like oh I'll get this type of armor so it'll make it easier for you to do this X thing while I you know draw attention away and I've got a tanky armor so I can do this and you can do the electricity damage or something like yeah. that. It's really fun. It's really cool. Well, there's another it's extended game. advert for Monster, Monster Hunter. Hunter. It's a good game, man. Considering we actually think it might be the last episode or the episode <laughs> four, which was just yeah, episode four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I still stand by it. I still like it's great a great record. game. Yeah, it's a great game. I'll, I'll very quickly uh, mention a couple of things I've played recently before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at GDC last week, I didn't play many games because I was doing other stuff. But I did. I, You're playing board games, right? I was playing board games, That's, yeah. Those are games? They were shoppers at the count. Of course they are. Of course they are. Uh, we were playing board games with people and we were showcasing why board games are interesting and stuff. One game I did play, which was prototype but being kickstarted soon, is uh, an incredible game called Fabulous Beasts. And um, it's very difficult to describe this. I'd recommend looking it up. Um, it's fabulousbeasts.com. Um, <laughs> but the way I describe this game is basically, you know when you have, have a sci-fi show like, like Star Trek or something or mm. like whatever mm-hmm. and they have you have a shot and it cuts to a bar or something or it cuts to like a lounge yep. and two of the characters are just finished playing a very complicated futuristic game yeah. which is like 3D and layered yeah. and yeah, 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 holographic yeah. and one of the characters goes oh an excellent move <laughs> and then they stand up and walk away from the game mm-hmm. you never really see them playing the game you just see the final move yeah. and the reason for that is because it's not a real game yeah. because it looks ludicrous yep. and it is ludicrous because it's not real it's, it's like, like chess that? that plays on like four layers or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So when I saw somebody playing this, it was basically, um, it just doesn't look real. <laughs> it has this weird podium with then all of these different abstract, colourful shapes all piled on top of each other in a crazy... Are you talking a physical thing here? It's a physical right. game. And so you've got all these weird wooden shapes that are like all different colours and all weird shapes all stacked on top of each other like some crazy abstract Jenga yeah that's what I was, was going to say um, and you look at it and you watch as somebody takes this incredibly strange shaped piece and balances it <laughs> and you just go what the fuck their opponent like, goes aha excellent move and then, listen, and then walks away yeah. and then you listen to people talking about playing this and you listen to what people say they go ah oh, that's a mutation which means uh, my foxes are now moving to the sky <laughs> and you just go what the fuck is this it just, it just doesn't look real it looks like it's all an elaborate joke sounds like the most GDC game I've ever <laughs> well I mean the, the guy who's demoing it I think he's going to be demoing it around the UK and stuff it may, it may even appear at, you might even bump into a rest I don't even know but anyway it's crazy And but then the way it works is it's basically a cross between Jenga and, and Skylanders okay. in a weird way because what you do is you have this little stand and this little stand has a chip reader and all the pieces have a chip in it and the game itself kind of runs on an iPad so what happens is you pick up a piece and it's like you have these three weird increasingly large things and they're beasts you have the beasts mm. and you have three fish shaped things they're the fish and the birds and you pick up a small beast and you tap it on the thing and it goes that's a small beast and then you place it and you have to balance it on the thing and then the idea is then you've just added an animal to an ecosystem. So basically it's like 
it's like a crazy Jenga version of Viva Pinata of being like, oh, well, you've put some some small beasts. And that's represented on the iPad. And then right? I, yeah, and then you go, well, it's my go now. And you tap on like a larger bird. And then you go, well, I'm going to put this bird. And then you stack it on top of the thing. And you go, I'm going to put this bird in the same area. And these birds are going to eat your beasts. Uh, what, so are you creating a food chain then? Or yeah, so you yeah. create a food chain, but then you can like, be like, oh, I'm going to put this weird piece on. It's going to crossbreed the fish with the bir- with the birds <laughs> and create this weird new animal that's a cross between like tiny fish and hawks or something. And and then it becomes this weird thing of being, oh, I'm going to cannibalize you. And it, it, it's it's insane. It's genuinely insane. But I was playing it with uh, with Kez McDonald uh, of also Darth Souls, and it was just this hilarious thing. If somebody came over and suddenly it was like within 20 minutes the shoe was on the other foot, and I said, well, I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to uh, use the love piece to increase the population size of my fish. Or maybe no, maybe I should, maybe I should cannibalize the population of this to stop your food chain to the the squids that have been crossbred with the lions. <laughs> I, I do the second one. The second one sounds like something you need to do immediately. Can I migrate my uh, my mice from the land to the sea? I was like, yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's just been this weird like. Like it vaguely feels collaborative because it feels right. like you're working together to make an ecosystem. Hmm. But at the same time, you want to be the person who with the ownership of the animals that are doing best in the ecosystem. So we end up. What's oh. the like? How do you win? What's the the kind of? It's a points based thing. So it, okay. it's really it's kind of complex, but actually quite simple in the way it's like, oh, you know, let's just say you've got like eight mice or whatever, right. and then it means you get some points for that. But then the player above you has got like slightly bigger creatures that are living off the mice because they're bigger creatures they get more points for that Okay. but then the number of points they get for that they can only have it's capped because the population of the thing eating the thing below is based on the mice is based on the mice that's cool which means that you have this thing of like you know if say the two things on the food chain above your mice are both owned by the other player then you can purposefully try and diminish the population of your mice because then it will shrink. That's oh, amazing, because right. it, it means that your earlier turns remain important, like, instead of just, like, you replacing mm. yeah. with the next basically, I mean, the weird thing is, the collection thing, of animals. The thing that's <laughs> clever about it is it is basically, it's basically an iPad game. Mm. It's basically an iPad game to do with animal populations and to do with uh, trying to manipulate an ecosystem to get the most points. It's basically like a board game about that. Mm. But then the simple thing is of, of like... Imagine having a card game or something that does that, but every time you need, every time you want to play a card, whether it's adding an animal or doing something or whatever, you then have a specifically shaped piece, physical piece, yeah. that you then have to balance onto an increasingly dodgy. Is tower. there a is there like a negative effect if you it, yeah. like, can the Jenga tower collapse? Yeah, if it collapses, then you lose like you lose points. And then Amazing, that's and cool. Then, mm. So. And then some of the pieces, like the best pieces, are really weird shapes. It's <laughs> like, how the fuck do I balance this on something? And also the fact that, you know, you've got special pieces that are like one-off. So if the other player uses it, then you can't use it in that game because it's already on the, on the you know, ah. the tower. So it becomes this thing of like strategically trying to pick which piece to use and what they might want to use. True. And it, it just, it, it feels like, it quickly becomes just a game that you're playing. But when you watch people play, it's just like this. Did you say this this would come from Kickstarter, right? Yeah, I would. I, I'm interested to see the pitch video yeah. because those are often like the, the purpose of those videos. They have to be quite brief and quite very clearly get across the idea of what the game's about. Absolutely, I'd love to see how that happens because it yeah, it, sound it will basically it will come across like quizzle sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it will be like, is this a joke? I is guess it's real? just like show a game working right or like walk, talk through a game as it's happening. I that's got, still that's, that's mean, tough it's gonna seem like remember when Joey and Chandler made up their rubbish like board game and they just play 
the oh, when they're playing uh, the uh, cups. That's yeah, what it's yeah, called. Right. They're trying to get Joey to get all those money and all that I'm money. Just, show just you like that. Briefly, what it what it looks like. Right. Okay. On, yeah. uh, I've got a, I've got a strange idea. I mean, searching the term "fabulous beast" on Google is going to be. I mean, I saw quite an attractive-looking dog. It's going to be like pictures like, of buff. It's actually so fantastic, far, not fabulous. Very difficult to find on. Uh, on oh god, no, fantastic beast! And where to find them? Is a J.K. Rowling thing. You are the SEO on this is not <laughs> as good as it could be. Yeah, it does sound like a Harry piece. Potter kind of game. Isn't yeah. It? Let's have a look so we can find it. No, no this is. Uh, oh, it's, it's. Oh, good lord! Good lord! We. Um. So. <laughs> oh, it might be play fabulous, fabulous beasts. beasts. Play Fabulous Beast. Okay, cool. Because I'm Googling this is not enough. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, wow. This is what it looks like. See, I'm just going to show you that that live reaction. I, I hope that some people will be searching for it. Yeah. Well. That is... That looks crazy. I, I just... Uh, that's amazing. That See, is that incredible. Is, that is, that's, it. that's like that's the leading tower yeah. of pizza. You as expect well. it to be some like some uniformity between certain amount of pieces no, just to create some sort of foundation it's or bonkers. something. It's just every piece looks like a weird different kind of shape it's genuinely mad yeah. and you can see the variety of shapes and sizes and things it's mad it's mad it's it's, it's, it's I'd go as far to say it's, it's fucking it's mental <laughs> but in a brilliant way it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible uh, and I couldn't work out when I was playing it if it was necessarily a very very good game or not and it was still quite early mm-hmm. very early prototype there's still a lot of ideas in terms of the design of the iPad game it felt a little complex to me. It felt like it could do with a bit more refining. And, mm. But it also felt like they knew that. Yeah. Anyway, um, keep an eye on it. It probably will be on Kickstarter sometime. And it's, it's the sort of thing that it may be worth keeping on just as a, if it were the weirdest curio you can possibly yeah. have. If you have that on your coffee table when yeah. friends are around for coffee, you're, they'll think you're like you're a, brilliant. a space scientist. <laughs> um, so Best kind of scientist. Piece, uh, was a kind of a, a hybrid between a mm. board game and a, a mm. physical game, which I think we'll see a lot more of in the next few years. Yeah. Um, and the second thing I played, which I thought was very cool, um, was a game called Extreme Exorcism. <laughs> Which you also searched for on Google before, which yeah. was a terrible idea. Why would you ever do that? Uh, Fabulous beasts and extreme exorcism. This was a, this was a video game which I thought was really interesting, <coughs> just because it was a very clever approach to a simple problem of how do you make AI in enemy? How do you make AI enemies in games? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a pain. What it does basically is it's a little like um, a little simple side-scrolling platform shooty thing, in an arena two D arena shooter platformer. Mm. Really simple. But the way it works is basically um, you kill a ghost and then when you kill a ghost, you start the level again. Hmm. But this time... You're the ghost. You are the ghost. I think I might have heard this. Oh, yeah, you might have seen it. And then it basically means that then exactly what you did last turn are you? Is, is the AI. Uh, and then when it gets to the end, it just, oh, it just reverses really... and goes back and it keeps doing it in loop. But Does then it... it means you go and then you kill that ghost. The two then it starts again right? and there's two ghosts. Brilliant. And oh. they did the first time and the second time. And it keeps ramping up until you've got like, I think there's 10 rounds. So potentially there were nine ghosts in the last round. But then what happens, it's really clever, is you do have the ability to get an exorcism, exorcism power, which basically is a small area of effect attack. And if you manage to get a feel for where the ghosts are going to be in one place, you can use it there and it means that if all the ghosts touch that area, then are wiped out from all future rounds. So oh. that means you can actually like, or if you have one really troublesome ghost that you've created, yeah. then you can get rid of it. But it's lovely because it just, it is a really interesting idea that completely removes the whole problem of how do you make enemies? You just go, well, you don't. Mm. You allow yourself to be the enemy. But also there's this thing of like, when you miss a shot, 
Rather than being like, oh, yeah. I'm useless, it means like... I was about to say, did you find that you started trying to cheat it and, and yeah, like, yeah. make rubbish ghosts, like, try and... Well, yeah, no, the idea is you've got you've to gotta kill all the ghosts quickly and simply. Mm. And so it means you've basically got to be like, okay, well, you, you want to fire as minimal shots as possible because every time you fire a shot that doesn't hit a ghost... It just means that if for all future rounds, there's going to be bullets flying around. So I had a few ones where oh, right, I okay. kept missing. And I was like, bang, 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 bang. I was like, oh, no. Like, it just now means that I have to remember to avoid yeah. that area yeah, at the yeah, start yeah. because there's going to be loads of bullets. And it also means that you start to get, like, you want to go for the lo-fi weapons. Like, you can get, like, really, like, short-range melee weapons. You want to use them. Because then, like, the problem is sometimes you pick up a rocket launcher and you're like, oh, fucking cool, a rocket launcher. But yeah. it means that for every rocket you fire, in yep. each subsequent round that ghost is going to fire a rocket at the same time and it means it's like it, it becomes this really interesting thing if you it really appealed to me in that idea of like you know um, when you get really into a game and you're trying to do a score attack thing of trying to just refine everything as much yeah, as possible sure. especially in terms of uh, I find in score attack games of trying to refine your early game and just making everything like it's the same book for possible. different reasons. Right? Yeah. Different reasons. It's like Super yeah. Time Force, the way you just want yeah, to yeah, save sure. one one second or try something different just to see if you can make it a little easier the next time you do it. Yeah. And yeah, so as this thing cool. of like when you manage to jump down to the bottom floor and like pull one shot of the pistol and take out the ghost in one clean thing, you're like, yes. That's well, really nice. No. You want to just keep that up, but then when you start firing rockets and I won't put a fire three rockets and miss everyone, <laughs> I was just like just my head just dropped. It was just like, oh God. I love the idea of playing as the ghost and trying to Always keep an uh, keep a mind on what you were doing uh, when you were playing as normal. You know the main character would be like, "Oh shit, what was I doing next? It what kind did of I becomes next? impossible to track after a while because they keep looping and they're looping at different speeds because each run is different. Well, yeah, like, and that's good. Otherwise, you, you would be, yeah, you, you need it to get confusing. Yeah. It, that's part of the the pleasure of it, I guess. It reminds me of um, do you remember a game that you and I played called Isochronus, which was like a turn based yeah. strategy game, um, multiplayer, like one v one, and each turn. Uh, both players would select a soldier, do their move, and then during the next turn, those soldiers would also would would exist and, and would be doing exactly what you did the turn before. You're trying to counteract, um, like you know, what what has worked for the other player. Yeah. Uh, I, I really good. I don't think that ever came to fruition, but I I think that's such an interesting idea. Bringing in past attempts mm. of of what you've done in the game. It was really cool. It was like yeah, I remember because then you'd introduce a, a soldier who'd run in and beat up my wizard. Yeah. And then it'd be like <laughs> the beat... wizard would die before he got to anything good. But Wait, which play, is the, make... the end of the game but you, the next turn you have a chance to try and stop yeah, that from happening. Yeah, an archer and your archer would shoot the guy before he got to the wizard yeah. and stuff and yeah. it was a nice layering of yeah, it needed work but, mm. but that, so yeah, that was kind of more complex. This is a simpler idea but it just immediately works really well. Yeah. It's a really cool art style and I think it's coming to PS4 this year. Oh, oh cool. wow, nice. Indie, indie title. They do love the Indies, as yeah, they, they keep telling us. Yeah. And I, I played a bunch of other little things, and there's some good stuff, and I'm sure I'll talk about some of the other things in more detail once mm. I play more of them. But those were two things that I briefly had to go on the show that I just sort of thought, they both really impressed me in different reasons for mm. just being either like a bit mad or just quite elegant. How does GDC, uh, GDC work in, in that, that respect? Are, are there people showing off games like traditional like um, it's not a show format because yeah because I get the impression that it's just people running around pitching games to each other and this yeah, being I mean, weird kind of maelstrom of new ideas it was a fascinating show to attend actually and, it, and if you are interested in, in generally what GDC is like and what it was like this year I wrote a piece for Vice mm-hmm. which you can read uh, if you go like Vice's 
game section. I can't remember exactly where it is. It shouldn't be too hard to find. If you really can't find it, just bug me on Twitter. I'll find it. It's called link. Searching for Hope or something. Uh, like yeah, it was called um, Hunting for Hope. Hunting for Hope. So if you yeah. Google Hunting for Hope GDC, you should be able to find it. But it was just about basically I was going to GDC just trying to just get, regain some hope yeah. in the games industry, which I did manage to. But it's a fascinating spread of things going on. You've got like a you know you've got a bunch of coders quite conservatively dressed or making jokes about like polygon counts and then you've also got like kind of crazy young uh, San Francisco or you know LA based indies who are all being like, yeah. showing off their work to each other on laptops it's quite chilled uh, but it was I think the thing I really like most about it is the fact that there is very much no sense of it being a PR or marketing based thing Excellent. Like, there was some even on the expo floor there was a bit more of that but it was more like recruitment and stuff it was more like it felt like more like hey, Xbox. Why don't you come work for Xbox? Yeah, yeah. Like rather than being like Xbox, got some cool games. Mm. Check out our games. Um, and so it felt very much like weirdly like I, mean, I don't know. Like there was a big VR presence. Yeah, right. this year. Um, but it, again, it felt like it wasn't specifically aimed at press because there aren't that many. Press yeah, there. it's almost like I, I, it would be naive to say that the press are kind of intruding on it because they're. They definitely there were definitely parts of GDC that want coverage from it, particularly yeah, the VR stuff. But yeah, it's, well, it's not, I love that they're not the focus. Coverage is you get the impression that like a, part, a big part of the reason there is because a they're trying to it's for show, you know, yeah, yeah. Oculus and Sony's Morpheus. They all want to be like, yeah, our VR is the best. Yeah. but also they just want people developing it for it. Yeah, they want to be yeah. like you know they mm-hmm. want to get developers walking away from it, being like, we've got to make a game for Oculus Rift or we're going to make a game for well, Steam's Valve will be the VR, yeah, yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. they they they're. They, oh, they yeah. do need to pitch it, don't they? That, that, that is like, you know, yeah. first proper showing. And it's a shame. I didn't manage to have a go on the VR thing, but uh, I've heard that it was very, very impressive. I've heard something about it, like understanding the layout of the room you're in and giving yeah. some kind of subtle hints as to... I think you get some sort of map thing with it. It or? basically does a holodeck style thing. So I think it uses lasers to map out your room a bit. And then it means Fuck. that... You said lasers, I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I think the way it works is it means that if you're walking towards a wall... Then it will start to do that subtle kind of like mesh almost, so like as you get closer to just oh, to physically right. show you <laughs> where your bounds are. Yeah. Uh, again, though, the whole problem with this is apparently like for it to work properly, you need at least you need good lighting, uh, like right? three meters by four meters of space. Oh, good. And it's like yeah. who the fuck has got that in England? It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like the it's less so now, but the the first version of Connect was like you you needed a large it's the same space problem. to play it's that. Like, you properly. need a room for it. It's yeah. got a haptic feedback as well, doesn't it? So it knows what the thing you're interacting with and how it should feel on your hand and changes it based on what you're currently interacting with. I mean, I've heard it's really impressive. Uh, I got to have a go on the Oculus Mm. setup they had at GDC and I was actually really impressed with how much that had come along Mm -hmm. and just in terms of fidelity and smoothness. And again, they had, uh, because it had the kind of camera mapping thing, it was able to detect slight movement as well. So it means you could like kneel down and stuff, Mm. which meant that was really cool. Being able to like, at one point there was this little river and some flowers and it was all nice. Just being able to like, kneel down and look at the flowers right, that amazing. was really yeah. quite something and something which I hadn't clocked about VR which I think is actually one of the most exciting things gameplay wise completely agree is um, audio it's the fact that the new headsets of, uh, um, for all of them I think have uh, like headphones on them Yeah. and it's weird because I think that's something we've never really thought about in games right in terms of the idea of how do you get players if you made a game being like we want our games to be played with headphones there are people who do that but they're always like on an iPad or you know handheld mm. thing, and I'll say mm. you need to play this with headphones at the start, yeah. right? But a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people aren't interested in games where you have to wear headphones, and you can never really, unless that is specifically what your game is about, design a game because you can't guarantee that people with the premise will do it. Yeah. Especially you know, like it's it's that thing of being like you know, guarantee people may well have a HD screen, but not headphones. 
And what was lovely about this is like, you know... That they can have like left and right audio of them and like have direction to that? Or, yeah, well, it means that like if you've got somebody who, who they're going to wear goggles already, yeah. they're probably already to wear yeah. It's not going to be a big problem. Yeah. Um, and it meant that what happened was you have that wonderful thing. It's a big problem that first-person games have had for a long time, and it may just completely solve it immediately, is uh, getting players to look at things. Mm. Um, because the problem is, you know, the amount of times I've talked to developers who've been like, they've made this incredible, like, exploding spaceship diorama and then find the players just don't look at it yeah. because they're looking the other way. And the problem is, um, I'm going to be doing physical movement here, so sorry for listening, but basically when you hear something, you'd be like, you spin around, you know, you spin your head around and go, what, what was that? What was that? You hear an explosion and there's no explosion on the screen. You just spin around until you see it, right? Because mm. we've only got stereo sound yeah, yeah. most of the time. I mean, some people play with 5.1, but again... 5.1 is quite a specific setup that unless you've got a big American house, mm. you're probably going to struggle to set it out properly. But with this, you get really accurate. With headphones, you get really accurate surround sound. So it means that you hear a noise and you specifically can then just turn around to exactly where that noise is because you know where it is yeah. because it's there. Like, yeah. It's just your head just knows. And the, 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 I guess the difference there is that developers know that that's going to happen now that they, yeah. they can rely on that I mean it's it's like I think the only problem they're going to have with that is I guess if, if VR is going to be a thing and it's going to be something people use that's going to be a tech issue people are going to have to get around this is this idea of people completely isolating themselves mm. that's going to be weird for some yeah. people this idea of like not only can you not hear anything because you've got headphones you can't see anything it's a bit intimidating what do you do in, when in somebody's screaming in your kitchen somebody's broken their neck in the, in the shower like, I don't know yeah. that's something people worry about I'd be a bit worried about yeah, that yeah. maybe I'm paranoid no, I don't I like the idea is. if you don't know what's going on around right. you hmm. so so before I actually thought you were going to say that the the where, when games really bring motion into it in, in the, the VR setups that, that changed how I thought about it as well um, I remember I played a really very brief uh tech demo for Alien Isolation. I think you might have played it as well, actually. And um, I, I found that because I could, like, move around in my seat and, like, peek over, cover, and, um, in fact, there was, there was one bit where, like, I was hiding behind some pipes and I could position my head so I could look through the pipes, which is something you can't do in traditional Alien Isolation. I found that I started moving, my, like, physically uh, whilst I was playing the game, not always to get an advantage as well. I would find myself, like really bringing myself like uh, kind of hunching together when, when the alien was close trying to hide from it whilst I was playing mm. even though that physically obviously it doesn't know what you're doing and it doesn't make any difference um, but I think it might you see it, I think when, once we get like start combining stuff like this with uh, some of the camera detection software that we saw with things like Connect, which didn't really have a good purpose yeah, sure. back then Bring them in, it yeah. would be quite cool to get yeah, well, physiological I, things I guess uh, like the PlayStation set up quite nicely to maybe start doing that because you know some people have the eye and Morpheus on top of that they can they can stick together. But I really hope it, it sticks around. As a it's an expensive and isn't a gimmick setup though, isn't it? Because like, I think it's it's very early. It's got some interesting new problems. I think what's going to be fascinating about it is the fact that and one of the dumb things we've noticed about VR at the moment is everyone's trying to apply apply VR to games as they are now. Yeah. yeah. When actually they just need to be designed in a different way. Completely. So even the first person games, the, the ones that you think might work really nicely with it, I often find that the fact that they're designed with a controller in mind where you can move your head around with the right analog stick And it's so weird moving. I find, I find in games where you're like running around and you're physically not moving, yeah. it just feels, it doesn't feel that immersive. Yeah. It's an interesting control scheme. Yeah, because you haven't got a head bob because your head isn't bobbing because you're physically not moving. It, it is a, a strange thing. The one uh, brief point of What the, are you talking about? I bob my head. Really get into it. Thought everyone did that. But there was there was one bit, and I think this is uh, why, I think maybe for first-person action games, like uh, VR isn't, 
going to be the right way mm-hmm. straight away. But um, there was one demo of the Oculus thing, which was like, it was just like a little diorama. It was mm. like a very sit- colourful little city. It was, imagine like a kind of really like cartoony version of SimCity. Right. But because it was this small little cityscape and I was so close to it and I was so much bigger than it, it meant that you didn't have to move around much <laughs> mm. in order to really move around, you know? That's you could exist in a small space, but mm. then cover a lot of ground. You see, almost like a giant peering in at this. <laughs> and it made me realise that it's going to be incredible for God games. And I don't know how I hadn't thought this yeah, before. I am. But actually, one of the genres I think will be amazing for is God games. Yeah, you're right, because it make, puts you in that position. That's... And can you imagine a game where literally just with hand gestures and stuff, you're able to just be spinning around pick, the world. Pick and... someone up in front of you, put them in front of your face. Yeah, I mean... What I love was it had this tiny little helicopter which was floating above the city and I could hear the helicopter. It was like, hear the rotor blades. And then I just like leaned my head in so the helicopter was right in front of my face and as I got close to it, the helicopter sound of the helicopter got much louder. And then I realised I could hear because I was closer, I could hear a little man screaming and there was a little bubble on fire (laughs) close to that. And it just being able to like move your head around like you were a giant peering into little houses. Yeah, making these big slow deliberate moves. And that was one of the first things I've seen where I thought this is something that could easily be applied and be interesting for games. Ah, Isn't it a genre I've heard people talking about with reference to that? That's cool. Um, There's this thing of the tech is is getting there. The tech is interesting. But I do feel like if if the answer to the tech is going to be like, hey, you can play this game that you can play on the PlayStation 4 in virtual reality, mm-hmm. it's just always going to be pretty weak. I think we actually need bespoke software made for the limitations. And I think those limitations are crazy. Like, but yeah, a first-person action game that takes place entirely within areas which are three metres by four metres. Yeah. Like, that's a limitation. And actually, it could be amazing if they, somebody just made like a first-person like wave shooter where you're in a tower. Yep. And all you do is just turn around hmm. and run over to the other, like run over two feet to the other side of the tower and start sniping. That'd be great. Yep. But if you, as soon as you have to start running any further than that, you're going to knock yourself out. I'm playing uh, an Oculus, it's not even a game, I'm not going to use that word, an Oculus experience on Friday, which is not going to be the reason that people buy the Oculus Rift, but I'm so interested to check it out. It's, oh, I forgot, it's, I don't think it's got a, a brilliant name, I can't actually quite remember, but it's, um, about being buried alive and the way they're demoing it is you get in a coffin an actual coffin with lining in it and i don't like i don't know whatever i i don't know how big it is but i imagine you'll be you'll you'll be touching the sides yeah which i hear isn't amazing no it's not fun and you put a vr headset on and you you experience being buried alive whilst you know as you move your arms around inside it you'll be hitting the side that I'm sounds... jump in there with my malaise and just have a complete <laughs> mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Video games are shit! I found, I found Alien Isolation a little bit stressful. <laughs> what I might like to try next is being buried ah, alive. Yeah, I would like You're a little lie down. Thank you very much. Deeper. Just deeper. Put me in deeper. I don't want uh, it That anymore. sounds to me really frightening. But again, it's just that that's mm. what I think VR needs to do. Is mm. It needs to look at the limitations and build from the limitations rather than trying to just hokily be like, well... Yeah, and I think actually using using physical, the lack of space, that's like an ultimate way of doing it. Having said that, it's a big waste of money, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. how much does it cost for an Oculus Rift? A couple yeah. hundred quid, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got to have a PC. And you've already got to have a coffin to right. play it. Okay. <laughs> if you so, spend a couple of hundred quid on bags of soil, I could yeah. fucking bury you like, <laughs> for like half the price, I reckon. So I don't, I I'll don't pick think, you up afterwards as well. I don't think they're ever actually releasing this. I think this is a, <laughs> is a, it's a master's project that has got way out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if what happens on Friday is they put the headset on you and then they go, right, you ready, ready? And then everyone's like... Ksh. <laughs> <laughs> then they put the lid on the coffin, Why carry, it outside, carry it outside, lower it, lower it 
Yeah, this is really immersive, you guys. Oh, this is so good. It really feels like it's happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Chris actually gets played live. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you don't hear from Chris ever again, that'll be that'll be it. He's playing Oculus yeah. under under the ground eventually, in a better place. Yeah. Eventually, the batteries in the coffin <laughs> ran out. Oh, By God. this point, Chris had already worked out what was happening. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, that seems like a, a good place to end everything. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening to the Dave Souls podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. Obviously, Chris Brandt now of, of Eurogamer video yeah. production fame. Terrifying. Are you uh, a podcast? I'm a podcaster, yes. Uh, we have a podcast called Chat Very Good. Uh, it's myself, Joe, and a few other people. We just talk about anything and everything, just trying to simulate the uh, conversations that friends would have if they just got together simulate and shoot the show. Simulate. <laughs> we can't. We're not that authentic with it. It's Skype. We hate Skype. We hate each other. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been told it's decent. So that's Check Chat Very Good. Chat Very Good, yeah. Chat very good. And if you haven't heard of Eurogamer, then uh, I don't know what... Bury yourself in a coffin. Bury yourself in a coffin. Absolute shame. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.